Oh yeah. Nice little start there. Where's the park? Is it right? To the right. Yeah, yeah. Early into the pandemic, my buddy Derek bought a van. All right. Testing, testing. Here we go. Okay. All right, I'm in the car. Derek, what are we what are we driving? Where are, where what are we in? Uh, we're in a 1989 VW van again, Westphalia edition. And uh, how long you had this van now? I've had this van for about 6 months, 7 months, 3 months in the shop. Derek lives in Brooklyn, but he was in California when the shelter-in-place first started. And after hanging out west for a while, he eventually wanted to go back home. But he didn't really feel safe flying, so he did something that he had been wanting to do for years. Buy a van and drive it across the country. Tell me tell me about the drive across the country, man. You took, uh, like, three weeks, right? Yeah, I took three weeks, took the most northern route, um, saw a lot of, you know, beautiful country uh, west of the Dakotas and you know it was like time to be alone and be moving during COVID and try to do it safely you know I basically would just sleep in the van wherever yeah how was sleeping in the van I sleep like a baby anywhere so I think it's like extremely comfortable you know it was occasional cold nights but I didn't usually find that out until I woke up in the morning that it was absolutely freezing in here the van has almost everything he needs but not much else Van life is about the bare essentials. This van again has got a captain's chair, which is the passenger seat spins around, really good for hanging. It's got a pop tent, second floor bedroom. By second floor bedroom, a, a surface to put a, your head down on. It's got a stove, it's got a broken fridge, it's got a second floor bedroom down here, AKA the trunk. Um, it's got a vanity, little closet, you know. And it's got two batteries, so you can run a lot of electronic stuff going when you're not running the engine, which is huge. And it's got a, it's got a 13 gallons of water, so you can, uh, you got a little sink, you got a little shower that you can hook up on outside. But it's all no frills. There's nothing, there's nothing fancy about it. It seems a little complicated in the sense that you had a bunch of, like, maintenance issues. Oh yeah. The thing, it's a temperamental beast. It's built really well, but you just got to watch. I, I mean, the name of the game is watch your fluids. So I kind of had a little engine scare a few minutes ago. I had some red lights here. Vans, especially older models, are pretty temperamental. But they're pretty cool, too, because wherever you go, you've got a ready-made tailgate. Now that I've had back in Brooklyn, like, you know, we're not really spending much time in people's apartments, not going to restaurants, at least indoors. And so I've kind of parked at places and we just like hung out next to it. When Derek's not on the road, he's in Brooklyn with a good job and a nice apartment. He didn't buy this van to go all in on some new alternative lifestyle. He did it because he likes to have adventures and try new things. And like a lot of people during this time, he's trying to make the most of a shitty situation. It's a van life shortly lived. I don't want to live in the van permanently. I would love to like have the van for the rest of my life, but I, you know, it's not my everyday vehicle. But I think it's something everyone should do at some point in their life. It's, it's not hard, you know. If you have a friend, it's even easier. If you have two friends, it's a party. When you're living in a van down by the river. Greetings from somewhere. I'm Zach Mack, and this is a detour into van life.
According to Wikipedia, van life is defined as a form of adventure tourism that involves a van that is livable and self-sustained that can access remote areas to recreate in. The word van life or phrase or hashtag or whatever it is was popularized by Foster Huntington in the early days of Instagram. And over the past decade, the movement, we'll, we'll call it that for now, has grown quite a bit in popularity. I think glamorous pictures on Instagram have a lot to do with it. But also van life promotes this appealing alternative lifestyle, something more minimalist, more sustainable, and way more free. That's not to be confused with free as in cost, because these vans are not cheap. I'm talking free as in bird. Because when you're in them, it's just you and the open road, and maybe your friend or your partner or your pet. And yes, while vans are pretty expensive, they are not as costly as a house. If you've been paying attention over the past decade, you're probably well aware that housing prices and student debt rates are soaring, wages are stagnant, the middle class is shrinking, now there's a pandemic, so maybe trying out an alternative lifestyle is the way to go. Naturally, since the pandemic, there has been an increased interest in van life. More people are buying vans and living life on the road, which is why today I wanted to talk to some of the people who have done it. So I'm Laura Edmondson. I am a freelancer and I drive a 2013 Ford Transit Connect. Laura's a longtime van lifer, but she's not what you'd call a van life influencer. She easily could be. She's young, charismatic, good looking. And with all that in mind, she named her van accordingly. The Batty Wagon. I had my van for like over a year and maybe like a month ago, it came to me. I was like, that's the perfect name. The Batty Wagon. How did you land on that van? You know, obviously, like, I felt like the two vans that seem to be, like, really associated with van life is, like, old school VW or Sprinter van. All power to whoever wants to buy whatever van. Picking your van is such a personal choice because you have to really base it off what you need out of the setup. So it's always going to be, like, a very individual choice, what you choose. For me... The like Vanagon VW style vans weren't super practical for the price. Yeah, they're really expensive. They're so expensive, but they're great. Like aesthetically, they're beautiful. And like, if that fits the vibe that you're going for, more power to you, pay all the money you want. For me, it was out of my price range for like the amount of practicality out of it. I just like also didn't feel super comfortable driving that big of a vehicle by myself. So, um, the small van is what worked for me, not only because the price was accessible, but it felt like something I was comfortable to drive. I also try and live more sustainably when I can, and the gas mileage is way better. I was like, if I'm going to drive all over the country, I might as well get a van with decent gas mileage. It's a little bit more stealthy because, like I said, they're used for like in-town delivery service. They're not necessarily something you expect someone to be sleeping in. So you can kind of get away with stuff. You can fit into a standard parking garage most of the time. Some cities have ordinances on like how long or how tall a, a vehicle can be to be parked overnight to try and cut down on van lifers. But my van fits within most requirements. So I can like get away with some stuff that you can't in a bigger van. Laura's been doing van life on and off for the past five years. And when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, she loves traveling across the country, rock climbing and seeing friends. She does a lot of freelancer, internet-y type gigs so she can keep things pretty flexible. And what stuck out to me about Laura and why I wanted to talk to her is how seemingly normal she is. She makes van life feel accessible, like you don't need a ton of money or a degree in engineering before you hit the road. 
No, I don't have like any particular skills. I'm very grateful that my dad has worked in construction his whole life and was willing to help me. So he had like the tools and the actual physical materials. A lot of the materials I got to use were left over from other jobs that he had worked on, which is super lucky to have access to. But yeah, it was super low cost. The entire build was less than $4,000. I had to pay for the van, obviously. It's a 2013, so it's not super new. But the actual build itself was relatively cheap. Because I mean, if you get a sprinter, that's so much more space. Even just the cost of materials increases, even if you do keep it simple, because you just have to like buy more materials. And that was just like out of my price range. It wasn't even an option for me. So I kind of had to rethink, how can I do this in a way that will be comfortable, that will provide me a reliable vehicle, because I didn't want a super old van again and have to worry about it breaking down or anything. But that still fits in my budget. And I feel like I was able to do it. I definitely had to cut some corners. I don't have running water. My electricity setup is super simple, but it's not anything that I can't ever fix myself because I built it myself. Laura's been able to do van life on the cheap. For her, this is about living a somewhat alternative lifestyle, one that allows her to travel, rock climb, focus less on work, and generally have a lot less expenses. She keeps her costs pretty minimal. If you are paying off your van, like if you finance your van, you'll have to expect a car payment. Gas, obviously, is a huge expense, especially if you travel a lot. Some people tend to stay put in an area for a while, and that can help save money. Groceries and eating out is one of the downsides of my particular setup is because it's not super convenient to cook. You have to like pull out a lot of stuff and put it out on the counter. And then there's like not a great way to clean up because of the lack of running water. So eating more convenience type foods, things that are easier to prepare that don't require like a lot of chopping and dishes and stuff. Again, pre-COVID, what I would do is go into Whole Foods around lunchtime and like eat hot bar and work because they have free Wi-Fi there in the cafe. So I get a meal and free Wi-Fi. Those are the real necessities. And you can camp for free. If you want to pay for camping, you can, but it's also super easy to camp for free these days and in most areas. It's pretty low cost on the whole. There's like car insurance, obviously, cell phone. Car insurance, cell phone, personal health insurance, if you have that, you know. So those standard day-to-day expenses that you can't really get rid of. But as far as like paying an electric bill or paying rent, those go away. My gas budget is like 100 and something a month. It's like maybe almost $200 a month. That's still not that bad, though. It's not bad. It's really not bad compared to rent. Yeah. So like, I guess like when you're driving around and living, like, how are you deciding kind of where to go next, what to do? It just seems like there's so much unstructured time and so much of like, there's a lot of freedom, but in that freedom, you have to make so many decisions about what Mm -hmm. to do with your day. And it's, it's all kind of up to you. Whereas a normal person gets up and they're like, well, it's Monday. So I have to go to work, you know, (laughs) and I have to go to like to this place for work. They're Days are much more plotted out, but you have so much less structure. Mm, And how how does that work for you? That was actually what drove me back to the real world. The first time I did van life was like, I'm on perpetual vacation. I hate this. Like vacation's fun because it's special, but like doing vacation every day for three months, four months, it's just like, I, I personally needed the structure again. And a lot of what determines where I'm going is, do I know somebody there? Is the weather good? I really don't like being cold or in the rain, especially in such a small van. I spend a lot of my time outside. So like weather is a factor. If I'm rock climbing, 
Will I have some place to work? Because that's always something that that I have to do. I'm actually going to be on the road for the next couple of days, just trying to get to my next home base for the winter. So maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, I'll, I'll be on the road again for the next few days. And I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. Where are you going? Well, <laughs> TBD, somewhere in the Southwest. <laughs> just, just somewhere in the general vicinity. It'll be either Arizona or Utah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're waiting on Laura to decide her next destination. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll explore the van life you don't see on Instagram. When you see van life on Instagram or YouTube, it looks like every moment is picturesque. You're outdoors and surrounded by beauty. Your tricked out van has everything you need. And it's easy to forget when you live in a van, you got to deal with the elements, maintenance. You're often alone. You got to shower and eat and sleep and work and drive all in the same small space. It's not what you'd call luxurious, but maybe it's still glamorous, kind of? I think of it as glamorous in certain ways, but it's not as glamorous as it seems on the internet. Like, having the freedom to go and park in a beautiful place is really amazing. And, like, maybe you're going to stink for a few days because you're parked far away from running water and you don't have any in your van. But, like, if you're okay with that, then maybe it does feel glamorous. But I think a lot of the hard, gross parts get glossed over on the internet that I'm just like not trying to perpetuate that. What are those hard gross parts? I mean, like one of my friends got me a, um, she calls it a P device when I bought my van. It's basically like a funnel so that if you normally would pee sitting down, you have the ability to pee standing up. Like that's a reality (laughs) of my travels. Like, you know, pulling off the side of the road to use the bathroom, like that's gross, but nobody ever post about that because it's not Instagram friendly or whatever. Sometimes you don't shower for two weeks or however long it is. Like, I think that's my record, probably two weeks without a shower or even just having to use like a Planet Fitness shower. But I want van life to feel more accessible to people. And if we continue to portray van life as this like Instagram, beautiful, like, oh, I woke up in this beautiful place every single day and I never park in a Walmart parking lot. Then when people go to actually do it, they're going to think they're doing it wrong or they're not succeeding at van life because they're going to actually see behind the curtain that it's not all beautiful. I'll be parked in a parking lot and there's like a tree or a field beside the parking lot. So I'll like open up the back doors of my van and like take one of those classic photos, but then do a video of like scrolling around and I'm like parked in a casino parking lot or like a Walmart parking lot or something to like kind of break that image of you can make anything look pretty. Like, sure, there is a very beautiful field or like a cluster of trees right outside my door, but I'm actually parked in a Walmart parking lot. And both of those things can be true. There's no reason to hide one. Laura points out, it's not just the parking lot views that are being left out of the van life narrative. I think there's like a huge conversation around safety that gets left out, especially when I was traveling more solo. 
And being a woman of color as a, I mean, a black woman, there's a huge safety element that I didn't have a ton of resources for. That's like a huge factor that gets overlooked because a lot of people put it honestly, just have a ton of privilege going into it and don't necessarily need to consider a lot of the safety things that I personally do and other people do that look like me or look different from me. But I think that's one huge factor and not just from like malevolent, like criminal type people, like the people that might be seen as protectors, like police and interaction with the police is not always safe or comfortable for a lot of people. And spending more time on the road increases your likelihood of having an interaction like that. One thing that I don't ever do is if I'm parking in like a parking lot or somewhere where there's going to be other people around is get out of my van once I've parked. So if I need to walk my dog, if I need to use the restroom, I'll do that before I get to my final campsite for the night so that it doesn't give away the fact that I'm by myself. Like there could theoretically be another person in the van with me. There's no like indication I'm alone. I have a taser and I always keep that out by my bed when I'm asleep. I always keep my keys out by my bed when I'm asleep in case I need to jump in the front seat. I always park so that I can either back out or pull forward if I need to leave in the middle of the night for whatever reason. I always try and park somewhere there's self-service if I can, which sometimes means you don't get to park in the most scenic places, but helps me sleep at night. So that's what I do. My dog always travels with me. So if somebody's coming up, he's not a very big dog. He's not going to like do anything, but he will at least alert me and probably wake me up. As far as like interactions with police go, I have an envelope that I keep in my glove compartment with all my stuff in it. That's like bright colored so I can reach and grab it immediately without having to like shuffle through stuff. I use the iOverlander app a lot because they have reviews on campsites, like kind of boondocking sites that are unofficial. Like if somebody felt uncomfortable or if it felt like a sketchy area, people normally write that and like, oh, I left halfway through the night because I just didn't feel comfortable. Laura's had more people reach out to her this year about van life than any other year. People want to hear her travel tips, her stories. One thing people don't ask, so I asked for them, is what happens when van life goes comically wrong? So I think it was in one a one-week time span. And this was the last time I was on the road, thankfully. I got rats under the hood. And then my dog, who is very sensitive to anything that he eats, got diarrhea for like a week in the van. Oh, man. That's really tough. That was a low point for sure. And it was snowing. Was the same week? I think it was within the same week because so Willie got sick and like I kept having to like get up in the middle of the night to take him out. But it was snowing. So it was awful. I had made him a vet appointment in this town where I was staying. So I couldn't leave the bad weather. So I was like stuck in my van with like a sick dog and it was snowing. And then I finally like get him situated and I go park somewhere that it's warm and these rats get into my engine. Thankfully did not do any damage. That was very lucky, but it was like, it was not cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is my last question. It's so, it seems like my take when I see people like living van life is it, it feels very, it feels very off the grid, right? It's like, I've kind of opted out of normal everyday society in some ways, right? I'm off mountain climbing. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to be from day to day, week to week. And it's a very kind of like free bird lifestyle. Do you feel like it's possible to live like a normal life and do van life? Or is it like only for the people who want to opt out a little bit? I think you can do it either way. 
Because there are people who do van life in more of an urban setting and have a nine to five that they go into, like physically go into work every day. There are people who make it work that way. There are people who work remotely full time. So they work a nine to five, but they do it remotely, which is actually how I started when I was first in my van. The first couple of months, I was still working my nine to five job. I just would have to make sure I was near Wi-Fi or had cell service so that I could use my phone as a hotspot. And I would have to, you know, get up and clock in at nine o'clock in the morning and like sit in my van on my computer or whatever. And like, yeah, maybe I was parked in a Walmart parking lot or maybe I was parked like somewhere beautiful like Moab or maybe I was in a coffee shop. But like, it's absolutely doable. You have to work with your employer, obviously. Hopefully they're flexible, but is absolutely doable. If you want to stay more like on the grid, it's it's 100% for sure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. This was awesome. This is Van Life. All right, that is the show. We're going to be back again next week. I'm really excited about that episode. I'll give you a little hint. We're going to the place where mountains go to get ahead. Think on that for a second. I got to say, the show has been getting a lot of love lately, and I really appreciate that. I've gotten a bunch of emails, some voicemails, some DMs. Please keep those coming, especially the voicemails of travel stories, because we're going to use those in a later episode. We were also recently featured on Spotify and a couple newsletters, and Hark listed the Disney episode as one of 2020's best moments in podcasting, so that was pretty cool. Also, I recently did an interview with Discover Pods about the show, so if you want to check that out, that is in the show notes. If you're new to this show, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And if you are returning to this show, thanks for sticking with us. And please send this show to a friend or share it on social. Please share the show with a friend or send it on social. All that stuff really matters. This is all very grassroots. So anything you can do to help, it makes a difference. I want to thank my guest, Laura Edmondson. If you want to follow her along, she is tagged in the show notes. Check her out. Thanks to Caroline Chagrin for the production help. Thanks to Scoranon for the anonymous soundtrack. Thanks to my man, Dan Turek, who lives in a van down by the river, but still manages time to sound design, mix, and master these fine episodes for you. <laughs> Legal help from Sam Jr. Lollipops Alcabez. And if you have a fun road trip story you want to share, hit me up, leave a voicemail. That number is in the show notes. I've gotten some really good voicemails lately, so I'm really excited to piece those together at the end of the season. All right, y'all, I'm out. We'll see you next week. Safe travels. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.